Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week I am joined by a great friend and also a news anchor. We first met while working for a news station in eastern North Carolina. Now she's a morning anchor and reporter in Providence, Rhode Island. My guest host this week is Liz Bateson. Hello, Liz. How are you? Hey, Liam. I'm so good. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. Thanks so much for coming on this week. I'm so excited to see you. I'm so excited and I am love this podcast idea. <laughs> well, I'm so excited that you decided to do it. And I also didn't know that you were a true crime lover just as much as I am. That's crazy. Yes, my TikTok feed, I feel like, is all crime, crime, crime. Sorry. So I'm <laughs> very excited to dive deep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny how like social media like is so like the algorithms are like so like I feel like mine is literally just like like same thing like comedians true crime and dogs yes yes I was gonna say and dogs (laughs) you need to have dogs in there to break it up So true. Uh, Well, Liz currently works for WJAR, the NBC affiliate in Providence, Rhode Island, where she anchors the morning news and also reports. And she also does a weekly piece, which I absolutely love, called Show Me Something Good. So, Liz, how is that going for you? Oh, my goodness. It was it's so much fun. So I was covering for another reporter who was on maternity leave during that, and she just came back. So I don't know if I'm going to hang on to that segment, but I loved it because we all need more good news in the world. And it's just, you can be so creative with those kind of pieces and it's way more fun than crime as we're talking about crime, but reporting (laughs) on crime is not my favorite. So I loved doing the lighter (laughs) featurey pieces. Mm. Well, it's so funny because I, you know, I'm like really like hard news oriented yeah. um, in my role. And so it's just funny because I've been doing a whole lot of like really intense stories this week. And so my like unwinding is going home and writing about crime for this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you're, you're right on target. <laughs> Excellent. So why don't we get to our bottle of wine this yes. week, which is the best part of the show. Um, so this week we are drinking Kim Crawford's Rosé. It's from New Zealand. And it's actually one of my favorite rosés, Liz, because I always thought rosé had to be like really sweet. Mm-hmm. And then when I discovered actually this exact bottle, I realized that some rosés are actually pretty dry. And so I really like this bottle. Um, it's actually one of the knowns, known to be one of the driest rosés on the market. Um, so this wine has a fresh berry fruit base, according to the label um with watermelon flavors and a dry finish so why don't we like pop it open and take a little sip heck yeah i'm so excited i love rosé and i've actually only had sweet rosé so i'm really excited to try this i don't know if i've ever had like a dry rosé before well, I, yeah, so I am, like, really not a sweet wine drinker just in general, like, regardless, yeah. but, like, I also do feel like in the summer, like, I feel like that's that's my go-to. Like, it has to be, like, I feel like red's too heavy in the summer. Yeah, I totally agree. Red is good with, like, a steak dinner or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is really yeah. good, though, this rosé. Yes, Yes, I am. And I definitely like it's funny how like like reading the label, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I definitely like you like notice it more. I definitely notice a lot more of the uh, the watermelon flavors and those like like I guess did we say? Yeah, berry fruit. Yeah, it definitely has that fruity feel. But you're right. It is kind of more of a dry. It's fruity, but not overly sweet. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like this would go really, really well with like like an outdoor porch kind of vibe. Yes. Like in, like if you're like, you know, just chilling outside, like in like, you know, like a Saturday afternoon kind of feel. Kind of like maybe we should go out on a porch right now. It's snowing where I am, so probably not. But <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> my mom, because, you know, I'm from New York. And so my mom was sending me pictures. I was like, yeah, like that doesn't really seem like the kind of vibe for you. But maybe if we do like another episode in the summer or something, we should definitely do an episode outside. Yes, please. This is a good summer drink I feel mm-hmm. I agree and so you want to just get into the into the story or do you, or you want to talk more about wine I'm like down for either you know I can always talk about wine but I am ready to get into this story Liz I had no idea that you are so into true crime like I said when I asked you to do this episode but I immediately knew when I found that out about you that we had to do one of the most interesting and perplexing cases that I've ever read about but not one I had ever really heard of before honestly this is a true crime podcast so I want to be clear about that but nobody has ever been arrested in this case please don't even suspect a crime was committed. But I wanted to talk about this case because the circumstances surrounding this death are just far too bizarre not to talk about on this podcast. Today, Liz, I'm going to tell you the story of Mary Reeser, the spontaneously combusting woman. Just saying that, I'm like, what? So many thoughts go through your head. In the summer of 1951, Mary Reeser had basically just moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. A few years back, she and her husband lived in Columbia, Pennsylvania, but when he died, she moved to Florida to be closer to her son and granddaughters. But toward the end of her life, she had expressed dissatisfaction with living in Florida. She said it was just too hot and she missed her friends in Pennsylvania. In fact, on July 1st, her son said she was disgusting how much she didn't like living in St. Petersburg when he went to visit. When he left, he noted that she had taken two sleeping pills. They were second old tablets, and I'm hoping I'm saying that right, which were pills that you took before you went into surgery. But as far as I could tell, they're not really used anymore today. Right before he left for the night, around 8 o'clock, Mary's son said she told him he was going to take more pills. And Mary's son was a doctor, so I would imagine if he saw anything seriously wrong with that, he would say something. So he just kissed her goodnight, and he left. The next morning, Mary's landlady said around five in the morning, she started smelling smoke. When she went to go deliver Mary a telegram around eight that morning, she smelled even more smoke. She also noted there were soot around her door. And Liz, I need to stop here for just one second because this is when my brain just starts going. I'm not sure if you can tell what I'm thinking if you're having the same thought when I'm reading this. I think... You would think there's a fire, right? In the apartment, like in the kitchen or something? Well, yeah, I mean, evidently, but like you would think that somebody else in the apartment would know or like why isn't like a fire alarm going yes. off, right? That's my first yeah, thought. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, and why didn't she yeah. get out of the house or if right. something was burning? <laughs> right, and so um, as far as I can tell, so I actually looked up like the apartment complex that they lived in and at least today, it's not like a traditional apartment complex where you have like hallways and like shared spaces and that kind of thing. 
it's kind of more like a duplexy kind of thing where the um, doors are outside of the apartment, kind of like, you know, I, you know, I would imagine like most Florida is like, because it's so like summery kind of feel like that's the, that's the environment. So, um, so evidently, I guess there aren't a whole lot of neighbors around to see this, but still my instinct was where is the fire alarm going off? Surely someone would have noticed that. So of course I had to do a deep dive on fire alarms for us before we even get started into the bizarre circumstances around this case. Yeah. Okay. That's such a good point. Cause when I'm thinking apartments, like I'm just thinking of all the apartments I've ever lived in, it's, they all have a separate door. Like I've never lived in an apartment where you have a lobby and then a hallway and the door. So, mm-hmm. but even so I had neighbors and you would think they would smell something mm-hmm. burning or they would call the fire department. Well, so yeah, so this is again, like what, 70 years ago at this point. So, but the, so this building could be like bulldozed and yeah. like a totally new one could have been built up. So like, but as far as I could tell, and it looked like a pretty old building. So I would imagine my guess is that, that it was the same building. But um, from what I could tell, it's literally just like her and then her neighbor, like right next door. And that's it. So um, I mean, maybe that, you know, no, it's just no one like happened to be around. Yeah. You know what I mean? There weren't as many people around. So, um, so I found um, that fire alarms were not popular in 1951. They were invented in the 1890s, with the first one being patented by George Andrew Darby in 1902. The first practical invention was by Dwayne Pearsall in 1965. Sales really didn't take off until the 1970s. Before a practical invention was on the market, the odds of someone dying in a house fire was one in 10. After the smoke alarm, it was one in 100. So when word got around about how they were saving lives, they took off, but they weren't required in homes, apartment buildings, etc. until 1976, 25 years after Mary Brewster's death. So I say all that to say, odds are Mary did not have a fire alarm in her apartment, or maybe she just forgot to change the batteries like the rest of us. Okay, that makes a little more sense, a little more context. I appreciate it. (laughs) But it's still, I mean, we'll get to it. But once people hear what happened to her, it is still just mind boggling. Absolutely. I was about to say (laughs) mind boggling that like, it's still it's bizarre. It's everything from like beginning to end of the story is just makes me like, even more confused, crazy and confusing and Mm -hmm. just I didn't know was possible. When Mary's landlady went to go open Mary's door, the doorknob was too hot to touch. So she called for help. And when firefighters show up, they said Amber's were still crackling in the apartment and the heat was too much even for them. It was a scene police said they had never seen anything like before. Mary Reeser's cremated remains sat in a pile in the corner where her favorite recliner used to be. She was burnt to a crisp. Police said all that remained was coils from the recliner she was sitting in, a part of her spine, her left foot, which still had skin that was practically untouched and was still wearing her favorite black satin slipper, as well as her skull, which police said had shrunk to the size of a teacup. And Liz, I have to show you the picture that everyone sees when you look up Mary Reeser, so I'm going to text that to you right now. I, I think I need more wine. For this before I look at it. <laughs> you definitely do because it is absolutely insane. And it's also like just one of those things you can never really unsee. So like oh, prepare gosh. yourself. All right. I'm pouring the wine right now. <laughs> and I just texted that to you. Oh my gosh. You know what it looks like? What? The Wicked Witch of the West in it The Wizard does. of Oz. 
Like, I swear that is the scene out of The Wizard of Oz. Well, and it's just crazy to me, like, how it looks like. It's just, like, leading up to, like, it's obvious that this is, like, leading up to the rest of her body. Like, this is just right <gasps> where it is. Isn't that crazy? That is awful. And it's so weird that her, like, calf and ankle and then even her shoe is still intact as normal. Well, and it looks like nothing, like, it looks like it was almost sawed off. Like, it's, right, like, there's right. N- like, the rest of it is completely, like, you would never even know that there was a fire outside of, like, some, like, soot and ash, it looks like, anyways. Yeah, it doesn't look, it looks like a Halloween scene or something. It doesn't look like a crime scene that you would walk into and be like, this is normal. Mm. Right. Well, so, and that's one of the reasons why, Liz, why um, burning bodies is typically understood mm. as one of the best ways to murder someone without getting caught because, mm. like, all of the evidence is just gone outside of, like, some pieces, you know, that, like, are really going to be unrecognizable. Yeah. I did look it up, Um, you know, looked up some of the best ways to murder people, and yes, my search history <laughs> while researching this case oh is certainly... Oh my gosh, certainly you're be flagged by the FBI. 100%. <laughs> so if the FBI is listening to this, I'm not burning anyone. I am simply just a podcaster. This is for research purposes. Strictly for research purposes, and also, you know, there may have been a glass of wine or two drink while researching this as well so specifically kim crawford rose specifically yes obviously (laughs) (laughs) so there are some issues raised here about this crime scene though an expert in medical examination actually writes to police saying for a body to be burnt this badly she would have had to have been burning at ready for this 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit for three to four hours. An expert also says that at temperatures that extreme for that length, skulls typically swell, they don't shrink, or they will explode altogether. My jaw is to the floor right now. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also interesting how, like, the difference is, like, why, like, it shrinks and then it'll, like, explode at, at a certain temperature. Like, that just seems... Like, I don't know. It just feels like maybe like old science-y. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like 1950s science. Science is crazy. I wonder if there's been any cases like this since 1950. Well, we're going to find out, Liz. Ooh, You're getting done. a little ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> So there are even more issues here. If Mary was burnt that badly, you would probably guess there would be some pretty severe damage to the rest of the apartment building, wouldn't you? Right, exactly. Well, when investigators search the rest of the home, they find minimal damage. I mean, the walls around the corner where Mary was sitting are a little blackened, and there was soot on the ceiling, but the rest of the apartment was mostly fine. There was no smoke damage to furniture. In fact, her bed sheets were still white. Nearby, newspapers were completely untouched and electrical outlets were also totally fine. Now, nearby, though, light switches that were higher up on the wall were damaged and the wax on nearby candles were melted off, but the wicks were totally okay. They also found a clock that had stopped at 4.20 a.m., which really only tells me that that was the time when the fire was at its hottest point or at least was hot enough to break a clock. That's just wild to me because... How? Especially when you mentioned like the bed sheets, you would think that is so flammable. Mm-hmm. How was there no damage to 
anything besides mm-hmm. like wax on a candle. Right. Well, and you would think too, like, like, you know, regardless, like if it's, if a fire burns in an apartment, like large enough to like, you know, I don't know, like, like turn a human being to ash. Like you would think that at uh, least there yeah. would be like smoke, like that it would leave a mark on, like there would be enough smoke. You know what I mean? To like, at least turn your bed sheets, you know, black. Especially in an apartment, like this could not have been too big of an apartment. Mm-hmm. Everything is in such close corridors. I feel like in an apartment, mm-hmm. how does a fire not spread to other furniture or other rooms? I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Well, so police, Liz, were just as baffled as you and I are. <laughs> they said it was the most unusual crime scene they had ever been to. And the theories start taking off. <laughs> Liz, how are you enjoying this class? I'm loving it. I've already poured myself two glasses, <laughs> and I've got to say they're going down very easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy how, like, a crazy case like this will, like, just make you sip, 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 sip. Yes, because you're like, I need the popcorn, too, for this, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> well, and it's, like, so funny because, you know, I, like, love wine. And so, like, you know, talking this much, you know, because I'm reading, you know, I'm reading everything. I'm, like, I'm not able to drink as much oh, so sit. i need to catch yeah. up how many, how many glasses have you had this is still my first Chug it. no we're not gonna yes. do that liz <laughs> i know i've got to slow down i'm nervous my whole bottle is gonna be gone it's just so good though <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this rosé from now on i think i like it yeah that it's i uh, yeah like i said i'm not a huge rosé person like only because i don't like sweet wines but i do like that i do love this wine i do love it when i go to a restaurant the wine that I order is Moscato because it tastes like apple juice. So I am definitely a sweet <laughs> wine person. So I am all about the rosé. <laughs> like alcoholic grape juice, basically. Wait, alcoholic grape juice. That's so accurate. <laughs> that is my palate for wine. See, I think I have too much of a like sensitive stomach. Like whenever I drink sweet things, it just sits in me weird. So yeah, I can never drink. If I like get drunk off wine it's not a pretty sight so that's probably why it's it's probably because i'm drinking the sweetest wine possible (laughs) yeah well that's it and then that's see and then you always you probably get the worst hangovers too yes exactly i get such a headache yeah yeah see and you know what i always feel great the next morning so jokes on you guys Mm, jokes on me (laughs) maybe i'll have to try the the driest (laughs) wine i can find (laughs) (laughs) okay how about we dive right back into mary racer's death because things are about to get really interesting okay i'm ready for it police scramble to try to explain mary's death and as i'm sure you can imagine everyone in saint petersburg wants in on this case Some of the theories, though, are pretty ridiculous. During the course of the investigation, a detective receives a tip that someone saw a flaming ball of fire fly through Mary's open window and hit her, which seems pretty far-fetched, even for Florida. Okay, that just didn't happen. Like, I am debunking that theory right now. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately does not cross the Liz threshold. Like, what? A ball of fire? What is that? I mean, weird things do happen in Florida, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I don't, listen, I don't put it past Florida f- for <laughs> anything at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like every other day I'm, like, reading some story about some weird thing that happened down there. So, like, Flaming Ball of Fire seems, you know, okay, sure. It could, yeah. You never you never know. <laughs> flaming Ball of Fire in Rhode Island definitely did not happen, though. Definitely did not. Okay, so <laughs> maybe I was a little too quick. I forgot the context that this is in Florida where crazy things happen, but I... Still, I'm not buying that. 
Well, so it's also funny because there are also theories that people who believe that theory and also tie it to aliens, which I oh. I can I can definitely get behind because you know I'm a huge alien supporter. Yeah. Okay. So what do they think? Like a UFO came down and threw fire in her apartment? Well, so I did see this like funny video on BuzzFeed um, who like they have this whole, I don't know if it's actually still active, but like they have a whole channel de- devoted to Unsolved Mysteries and they're, and like they were joking that like aliens just like get drunk um, and <laughs> like fly around Earth and just like launch flaming balls of fire and like kill people, um, which you know what, like if that's the case, then, you know, I just have to imagine that, you know, aliens up there are just drinking some really good wine. I was just going to say, I wonder what aliens drink of choice would be. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they're, wait, do you think aliens are more sweet wine drinkers or dry wine, wine drinkers? Ooh, I'm going to go with dry wine drinkers. I don't feel like they get hangovers. Mm, I feel like they have like a pretty high tolerance though. So I feel like, I feel like they could probably swing either way. They could swing either way and they could probably do like hard liquor. I feel like they're shots people. Oh yeah, for sure. They're party animals. For <laughs> they sure. are party animals. But okay, if aliens came down and threw flames of fire onto Earth when they get drunk, wouldn't we hear more stories of this happening? You're probably right about that. You are probably, I feel like that's probably a really good theory. But I also think that aliens are around more often than you think. So I don't know. I don't know. I think they're probably smarter than us too. So Oh, for sure. And they're they're above us, so they're watching everything we do. Mm. Yeah. Well, so to me though, that honestly probably feels even more realistic, those theories, those crazy theories we were just talking about, than the rumors that quickly start spreading around St. Petersburg. The people who live there start saying that Mary Reeser was a victim of spontaneous human combustion. When I first heard that, I didn't even know that could happen. Now I'm panicking that I'm just going to combust one day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I had to look this up and it turns out people just spontaneously bursting into flames is actually like way more common than I ever would have imagined. But to be clear, any number of cases higher than zero is more than I ever would have thought would have ever existed. There are an estimated 200 reported cases of spontaneous human combustion on record. The earliest was in 1470 when Polonus Virtuous caught fire in Milan, Italy after a night of drinking. And the most recent case I could find was just back in 2010 in Ireland. 76-year-old Michael Faherty's death was mysteriously similar to Mary's case. All that was left of him was a pile of ash, a few bones, and scorch marks above and below him. His death was ruled a spontaneous combustion. It was the very first of its kind ever in the country's history. And Liz, I don't know about you, but what really amazes me here is like, why is this even an option on a ME's report in Ireland? Like, how are there boxes there under manner of death? Like, homicide? Probably not. Suicide? Mm, No. But yes, spontaneous human combustion, that's it. (laughs) And, like, how many check boxes does that have? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I just don't... I don't know. That just, like... I don't know. Like, what are they doing in Ireland? Like, why is that... Like, why is that a box? Why is that a thing? I'm concerned. I was supposed to go to Ireland this upcoming year. Now I'm kind of rethinking it. <laughs> well, don't catch fire. And definitely, <laughs> like, in Milan, Italy, I guess, you know, the, the whatever they're serving over there, you know, is evidently 
you know, a little, little hot too. You might blow up in flames. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so I had to look up to see what could possibly lead to this phenomenon. And what I found was a lot of hypothetical situations that have never been like actually put on the record. But I did see it was possible to burn into flames under the right set of circumstances. Scientists, at least at one point, actually seem to believe that someone could burst into flames if their internal fluids turned to gas. How could that possibly ever happen? Well, so like I said, it's never happened actually in any documented cases, but hypothetically it could happen with a large amount of acetone buildup, which could be caused by alcoholism, poor diet, or diabetes. And basically what would need to happen is still some sort of external factor would need to ignite the acetone, sort of like gas on a grill, some sort of electric shock a match or even bacteria could cause this. And when that happens, the fat in your body acts like wax on a candle and keeps the fire going with your bones and internal organs acting like the wood on the fire, keeping the fire going until you're fully engulfed in flames. That is just hard to imagine. And I feel like that is just you have really bad luck. (laughs) Like that is the wrong place at the wrong time. And the universe is against you. (laughs) So think about all the people who have been like struck by lightning and like, you know, like those, like everyone talks about those people, but like imagine the guy who like literally burst into flames. That's even more rare than getting struck by lightning. Evidently. Yeah. So (laughs) police appear to at least consider this theory for a little bit and they do eventually rule it out in Mary's case. But in their report, they looked at some of these cases of alleged spontaneous human combustion. They find that in almost all of these cases, the victims were in chairs for recliners or beds, almost like they fell asleep. Sort of like Mary, Liz, if you remember, she was in her favorite chair and had just taken sleeping pills. And it sounds like a lot of them. That's so interesting to me. And then that, I don't know, that's just so interesting to me that she's in her chair, but nothing else around her catches fire. Well, so they actually do have a theory about like scientifically how this happened. We're going to get that to that in just a second too, probably later on in the episode. Um, police though are still confounded by Mary's death and the rumors swirling around town are not helping. So naturally they get the FBI involved and you can actually read their entire report online. We're also going to put it on our website all of these years later, including the specific tests police ask to be conducted. What they ask for is for a glass container to be inspected to determine if it's a cigarette lighter, small objects to be de- to be inspected to determine if they are teeth, a metal object to be inspected to determine if it's a hearing aid, two pieces of fabric to be tested to determine if it could be Mary's nightgown, a test for foreign substances that could cause a fire, a portion of the rug to be tested to determine the origin of an oily substance on the rug, and lastly, and I quote, any other test that might explain the almost complete destruction of a human body. That's so sad to think about because that is just how severely she was burned that they can't even Mm -hmm. determine if she has teeth or Mm -hmm. any of those things. Yeah. Well, you saw that picture. I mean, it was literally just a pile of ash. So I think I literally picture them just like sifting through (gasps) things and like finding anything they could find. Yeah. And just trying to piece things together. Oh my goodness. What did they find? 
So three weeks later, police published their findings to local media. And in that press release, they say Mary's case is the most unusual they've ever seen. The FBI was able to determine that the piece of glass was the top of a cigarette lighter. The piece of metal was a hearing aid and those small objects were her teeth. They could not determine what kind of fabric they found in Mary's remains, but they did determine the oily substance on the rug was melted human fat. What? (laughs) That's crazy to think they can even determine that. Yeah. Because you're right. Looking at the picture, there's nothing. It's ash and there's Mm -hmm. nothing that is recognizable. Literally just a foot. Just a foot. But I also like even wonder like, like, because they were talking about how it was like melted into the rug. So like, I almost kind of picture it like, like this is again, going to sound kind of gross, but like almost like like a candle, like when you melt a candle and like, you know, I don't know if you ever like, like melted a candle yeah. out like too far. Like that's kind of how I picture this, like in the rugs. That so. must be a terrible way to die. Yeah. Well, and think about how long she had to have been mm. burning for that to happen. And for no one around to know. That's crazy. Okay, continue. <laughs> crazy. So the FBI also said they could not find any evidence of accelerants, which they said was not bizarre for a fire of this magnitude, even if accelerants were used, because when a fire burns this intensely at the temperature it would have had to have burned at, any trace of accelerant would have been long gone. But police also consider the bizarre rumors going around town. They weigh in on the possibility that Mary was indeed a victim of spontaneous human combustion. In response to police's last question about theories, the FBI discusses those previous cases of spontaneous human combustion. The agency writes, quote, There is, however, absolutely no evidence from any of the cases on record to show the burning of this nature occurs other than when the body is ignited by some external means, end quote. Basically saying there had to have been some sort of external force that caused Mary to catch fire that night. And definitively, they rule out any possibility that Mary was a victim of spontaneous human combustion. So, okay. So what do they think happened? Well, they don't offer offer anything specific, but they do rule out some theories outright. They say there's no way Mary was struck by lightning. Typically, when that's the case, there is a clear entry and exit point for a lightning strike, and there is no evidence of that here. They also say there's no way there was some sort of electrical short, since, remember, there's no evidence of anything electrical giving out that night, that most of the electrical outlets were totally fine, and the light switches had actually melted themselves. So they also say that Mary's body must have smoldered, not burned. So I picture that kind of like a piece of coal, like smoke coming up, but there aren't a lot of external flames. I kind of pictured like a stream of fire when I first read about this case, but evidently they say that's not necessarily the case. Okay, so something made her catch on fire. Is that right? Yeah. So basically they say that there must have been something that, that, you know, caused her to catch fire, which I mean, also to you, like, even in, like I said before, like even in those spontaneous human combustion cases, like they still say that it was, you know, some sort of static electricity or some sort of spark or something that, you know, still lit everything on fire. So they're, you know, 
you know, it's kind of aligning with a lot of those theories still, but they still say that there must have been something like very specific, like something, something that was on fire that, that, you know, landed on her in some way and, you know, made her mm. catch on fire that way. Um, but still, I mean, the, the other part of this too, that I think actually explains a lot of this is that, that word, that use of the word smoldering, mm. because like, you know, that would explain why, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of damage because if she was like actively on fire, you know, like a building, you know, when you think of that, and then you would think that they would, that that would spread pretty easily. But if she's just kind of like a piece of coal, you know, that would explain why, you know, that corner of, of the room, you know, had a lot of damage, but nothing else. That is so awful. That makes me think, though, I know they mentioned candles throughout, I guess, the setup mm-hmm. of her apartment. That makes me think it was like a candle or a cigarette butt or something small. It couldn't have been like mm-hmm. a huge kitchen fire or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. But that is wild. That I don't know. It's just wild. So do they know mm-hmm. what happened all these years later? Well, so it's funny you said a cigarette butt because the family actually seems to agree with that theory. They actually insert a theory to police that's been largely accepted by a lot of people who follow this case. Mary's daughter-in-law told the Tampa Bay Times that she believes Mary may have fallen asleep while smoking a cigarette. She says Mary was an avid smoker. And keep in mind, this is the 50s. And remember, Mary had just taken two sleeping pills that were strong enough to knock someone unconscious for surgery and she had planned to take two more so the family believes she may have popped those two extra pills lit a cigarette like she normally does and fell asleep dropping this lit cigarette in her lap now remember when i said police couldn't determine if the fabric they found was mary's nightgown yeah so her nightgown was made of rayon acetate a highly flammable material Mm -hmm. and so police seem to like this theory because scientifically it makes perfect sense What they think happened is Mary's nightgown may have caught fire, leading to what scientists call the wick effect, which basically says that when humans catch fire, they ignite like an inside-out candle. Their clothes serve as the wick, while human fat serves as the wax, keeping it going for hours. The more you know, I guess. That is awful. I didn't even know... The wick effect for humans was a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, I, you know, at the top of the episode, I remember you said something like, oh, like, am I just going to like randomly like catch on fire? Like, it seems <laughs> like you have to be like knocked unconscious, like pretty hard to like not notice. And she had to have been right. I mean, like, unless she was already dead, which was like a totally different like po- like episode, I feel like, like, you know, she had to have been knocked pretty hard unconscious, to, like <gasps> literally catch on fire and not notice. How do you not, right, like, how do you not wake up? Mm-hmm. How do you not feel something burning? So she was totally unconscious, but it does make you wonder, like, was, did she have a heart attack or was there something else that led to that? Because I don't know, I just can't imagine falling asleep and not waking up. But I guess if she took that many sleeping pills, who knows? Well, I, I mean, and also think, like, if she, if like, if you take sleeping pills that are, like, strong enough to like for doctors to literally like cut you open you know like I guess they were strong enough but it just I don't know it just is a little it's still a little creepy that like that it's like you literally being on fire is not enough to wake you up under any circumstances that's also crazy to think that that strong of a sleeping pill can be prescribed just in everyday life that you would catch on fire and not wake up from it well and yeah and so i tried to even look up like are these pills even still on the market they seem to be replaced by like a weaker version of it and um i don't know i've never been have you ever been have you ever had surgery or anything yeah i got my tonsils out 
Yeah. So yeah, actually same. So I actually, I've had my wisdom teeth removed. Okay. And, yeah. Like, I remember they like, actually do I, I think they like had me on a needle, but I don't remember what it was, what it was. So, but I definitely didn't take pills. So evidently they're not, you know, around anymore. Which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Crazy. Because apparently they're strong enough that when you're on fire, you don't realize. <laughs> right. But yeah, I guess it is true when you go under surgery. Like when I, I got my wisdom teeth out and my tonsils and I didn't wake up for either of those. So mm-hmm. I guess it happens. But that's just crazy that right. she would have that in her house and be able to take that not under like a doctor's mm-hmm. watch. Well, and I also can imagine like this is like it's probably like a little bit of a dated, you know, yeah. situation in terms because like like I said at the beginning of the episode, like her son was literally a doctor. So I would guess that, you know, if he was like, yeah, you know, you probably probably shouldn't take these because like you may catch on fire and like not notice like he probably like if they had that kind of knowledge, like he probably would have said something. Definitely. So I guess it's good. We've come a long way in terms of science. <laughs> Yeah, right. People are not catching on fire, at least since 2010. This is good. This is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Huge medical advances, unless we can go back to the alien theory, which, you know, we can talk about a different time. (laughs) We could do a whole podcast on the alien theory. We need to dive deeper into aliens. Yes, 100%. I'm, I'm sure there's like a corner of like some Reddit thread somewhere that is really going hard on the alien theory for Mary Reeser, for sure. I was going to say, and it's crazy too that in the 50s, what year was this? 19... 1951. Yeah, so it's crazy even, even then there's like the armchair detectives. Cause I just think mm-hmm. of like, I'm really invested in the university of Idaho murders right now. And I'm all over TikTok, and there's so many theories on mm-hmm. that and everyone thinks they've solved the case. And I guess this is not a new thing just with social media. Like even people in the fifties were doing this. Yeah. Well, and I was, it was also cause I was trying to think of like writing a joke to this. So it's funny you said that because I was like, I picture like, you know, back in 1951, like the TikTok version of 1951 is <laughs> like, like the, like the town pool or something like that, where like literally just like the town gossip just takes off. Yes. Yes. It's much easier nowadays, I guess, for more theories to get out there. But hey, in the 50s, they were still gossiping. <laughs> Which, hey, my kind of ladies, right? <laughs> Over some wine. <laughs> Literally. Um, so this, you know, cigarette theory feels right to me. As much as I would love to imagine a flaming ball of fire hurling through the window, <laughs> it feels like the right circumstances to tragically end Mary Reeser's life. But police have never officially documented this as her cause of death. So to this day, articles and even a short documentary about her still label Mary Reeser's death as one of the most bizarre unsolved mysteries. Uh, I would definitely say one of the most bizarre unsolved mysteries, and I'm definitely going to have to go look up that documentary. I feel like it's hard, though, to imagine a person wasn't involved, like a person didn't go in her apartment mm-hmm. and set her on fire. Mm-hmm. Well, and I almost wonder like if that thought ever crossed police minds or like yeah. if they immediately ju- were just like, oh, this must have been like some tragic accident, you know? Yeah. And I don't know how good forensics was and back then, but I mean, nowadays you would be able to tell if someone entered the apartment just by the doorknob and mm-hmm. Footprints or what? I don't know. They are so advanced nowadays. I'm not an FBI agent, even though (laughs) I follow all the crimes. But you would think like even back then, 
they would be able to figure something, like if there was a break in or something like that. Yeah, I guess you would probably be able to figure it out like pretty soon. And I would imagine like most people wouldn't have been able to like, like specifically back then, like TikTok was not around. So like you definitely could not figure out like the right ways, like Google, like, you know, people didn't have Google search histories of how to light someone on fire and get away with it. Um, so I would imagine that, you know, people wouldn't think, oh, let me just like toss a cigarette in her lap and she'll just go up in flames. Like I would think that that, you know, I don't know. I, w- I would guess that that police, you know, really exhausted all theories here and pretty quickly ruled out like anyone, like any foul play being involved. And if there was like all this time later, someone would have figured it out. I would, I would guess. For sure. And I guess if you were to set someone on fire, I would think more of the apartment would catch flame. That's still hard for me to wrap my head around that nothing else in the apartment caught on fire. Well, and it's interesting because then the I, I had that same reaction. I was like, okay, still, like, you know, like, like, how did this woman catch on fire without, like, the, like everything else being fine? Like, that drove me nuts, Liz. And, but then I more think about how a candle burns. Like, I don't know if you've ever had, like, a candle do, like, that tunnel effect. Um, yeah. Where, like, everything else around it is, like, totally fine. But, like, except for the wax that's, like, immediately around it. So, I mean, if you talk about the wick effects, like, I picture, you know, just this still, like, this tunnel of of smoke, you know, like this just one concentrated area where like the fire is just concentrated just vertically. Um, I mean, I guess that makes sense if it's, if like scientifically speaking, we are going to relate humans to like an inside out candle. Who knew? And I'm a candle person. I love having a candle burning just for the sense of it, but it's, it's now I have that visual in my head that I am Mm -hmm. could possibly burn like a candle. That's just Mm -hmm. crazy. And that's something I didn't know was humanly possible. And it's crazy, though, too, that you mentioned the 2010 case where, like, a similar thing happened. Because you would think, I was just thinking, okay, what if this happened today? Would they have different theories or would they have been able to solve, would they, yeah, solve it differently or say something else happened? But even 10 years ago, I guess 12 years ago, they were saying this can still happen, so. Well, and I also think, like, if Mary Reeser died today, like, you know, TikTok would absolutely blow up with people, <laughs> like, you know, immediately pointing fingers at the son to be like, yes, like, he must have killed her. Oh, for sure. And it, that's kind of sad because I watch the TikToks and so many people get accused of these crimes and you actually have no idea. And what if these people are totally innocent? That's awful that now their life is, like, you Google them and it's all these Reddit theories of them being murderers. Yeah, right. And just like totally unfiltered. Yes, it's wild. But I mean, I guess the social media attention does help the crime case not go cold, I feel like. I guess in this Mary Reeser case, you got to respect that they mm-hmm. listened to a couple different theories. I was outrageous as they are. Yeah, well, and also like went completely against like what everyone was saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess they have to have some evidence and scientific backing to back that up. Well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on this week. I had such a great time talking about this case with you and also drinking, like, almost, like, I think I'm on, like, two glasses of wine at this point, so. Yeah, I've drank in, I think, more than half the bottle. Um, Where no one's judging you here. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to elaborate further on that. <laughs> the wine, ten out of ten. 
the case 10 out of 10, the podcast 10 out of 10. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm, I can't wait to listen to all of your episodes because I'm sure there are going to be some wild crime stories. Well, I certainly hope so. And so Liz, tell everyone, cause you don't do a lot of like crime related stories as far as I can tell. So tell everyone where you can find the uplifting <laughs> stories that you tell online. Yeah, so if you've had enough of this crazy crime talk, come follow me on social media. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, Liz Bateson, Facebook, Liz Bateson, and then Twitter, Liz Bateson TV. I'm also on TikTok. Um, <laughs> not really, like, related to news, but I do post time to time some TikTok videos. But I've got to say, TikTok is hard to do. Mm. Like, it takes yeah. me so long. <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah. how these Gen Z people just whip out all these TikToks. <laughs> Definitely not me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've literally downloaded TikTok for maybe, like, two seconds, and I was like, how do you even... Like, I also downloaded it, like, way late, like, when it was, like, really popular, and I was like, I like I can't keep up with this. I just can't. Like, exactly. Wait, so do you do, like, dances and stuff? Like, I need to know everything about your TikTok. <gasps> okay, I don't... Well, I've done a couple dances, but not none are posted for probably obvious reasons. But I actually like love following the dances, and I really want my sister to learn this new trend with me because I don't know. We both did musical theater, like we're theater kids, so I feel like this is right up our alley. So maybe, maybe I'll start dancing on TikTok more. I can't say it's going to be good. I'll need some more wine in me <laughs> to post it. <laughs> Everyone, let Liz know like, in the comments. Flood her DMs and tell her what dances <laughs> you want to, what you want her to do on TikTok. Okay, I'm down. I'm gonna go <laughs> learn them all weekend long. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on this week, and thank you so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we will see you next week for another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.